What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people on Behind the Story with Chuck Talk. And here's your host, Chuck Talk. Are you in Hawaii? I'm actually in the mountains of Utah at the moment. I'll be in Hawaii next week. Uh, we kind of bounce around a little bit. Uh, my son is uh, just finishing up high school, and he's graduating um, in two weeks. And so after he graduates, we're back to Hawaii for the next few months, and then uh, we kind of go back and forth. So it's a, cool. it's, it's a fun, interesting life. So, <laughs> Well, congratulations to you and your son for the graduation of uh, high school coming up here. Oh yeah, it's gonna be, it's it's weird, man. He'll be the first uh, to graduate from high school. You know, he's already in college and got classes going on simultaneously. So it's it's been it's been interesting and it's been fun. And he's setting a good example for his younger siblings. So it's all good. There it is, your website, your webpage, right there. All right, that's yeah, right. Aloha, that's me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you're you're uh, into lowering stress, um, perhaps proper diet, certain supplements and things like that, really to uh, have a better life and perhaps live longer. Is that, is that kind of correct in a nutshell? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about optimizing you know, your day-to-day life so you can live more vital with more energy, you know, more you know, sort of an optimal performance kind of guy, but also to be able to live longer and hopefully avoid all of the most common illnesses out there. Seven out of 10 of the uh, the biggest, you know, killers worldwide, seven out of 10 of the leading causes of death in the world are almost entirely preventable. Most people have no idea. You know, the number one, most of us have heard of, right? That's heart disease, kills more people worldwide than any other cause second is usually cancer or stroke and then you know down the line is diabetes and its complications obesity and its complications and this has kind of been magnified in the last couple of years since the pandemic we're seeing that you know people that have these other health conditions like either heart disease diabetes or obesity for example tend to you know be more at risk for covid and other infectious diseases as well but The point I like to make is these things can be prevented and predominantly they can be prevented through natural means. In other words, you don't necessarily have to be on, you know, prescription medication to prevent these illnesses. A lot of it, as you appropriately mentioned, can be prevented through things like diet, you know, good sleep, optimizing the stress in your life and eating the right things and moving your body. You know, these these kinds of things are so simple yet so important in preventing not only these you know, causes of death, but in improving your quality of life on the day-to-day. I, I'm a big believer in just you know, enjoying every day of your life, be it with friends, with family, whoever you want to spend time with, and having the energy to be vital and engaged and connecting on a daily basis. And I really think you can do that best when you are healthy. It's a lot harder to do when you're suffering. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I can set the stage for this because here I am, apparently healthy, all that. I am blind in my left eye because I have diabetes. And the blindness, I'm blind as of three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So I I am a person to say, you know, listen to the doctor here because what you do or what you did yesterday is going to affect you today and don't be in denial as far as certain things that come to your health don't say because i'm 20 i'm healthy i could do this and that it'll catch up to you yeah it catches up to you and it often kind of sneaks up you know when you're not really expecting it you know these things kind of pop up because we kind of assume you know if we're of a quote-unquote normal weight we assume we're healthy and that may or may not be the case Mm -hmm. so yeah good on you for noticing and recognizing and even you know trying to you know tackle these things the sooner the better absolutely yeah that is for sure so 
what made you get on this? I'm just going to say kick. Um, kick. And, and I say that because, you know, there over the years, you've, you've had a lot of folks who've come on TV, whether it be doctors or nutritional specialists who are doctors, talking about supplements and longevity in life and things like that. So how did you get started? What was your interest? Was it external environments that said, hey, I love to surf. I'm going to surf until I'm 90 or, or what was it? Uh, you know, it was kind of all of the above. But immediately in my line of work, I've spent 20 years in the hospital um, predominantly the ER, the emergency setting, where I'm a board-certified emergency specialist. I've also worked in different clinics, um, mostly in the, you know, kind of clinic and sort of internal setting. And what I've noticed is that, especially I'll speak to the U.S., because I'm a practicing physician in the U.S., and we in the U.S. have done a really crappy job at preventing these kinds of ailments, like I mentioned, heart disease, you know, being the number one killer worldwide has been the case in my 20 years of experience. I've literally seen 40 year olds die of heart attacks that could have been prevented. And so in my sort of shoes and the ER, if you will, I can help these guys, you know, immediately with sort of state of the art treatment, like clot busting medication, or they go to what's called the cardiac cath lab and get their arteries opened up with a balloon angioplasty and they can kind of be fixed for the short term but what i've often seen is that these people come back within a few months or within a few years with further problems because they haven't really been led along the right path with their own either their physicians or other healthcare practitioners they haven't really been you know, kind of taught how they could avoid these things in the future. You know, they're just handed a bunch of different prescriptions. Okay, you have these 10 new medications. Yesterday you had zero. Now you have 10. Just take all of these things and, you know, it's all going to work out. But they don't focus on the simpler yet more impactful things like diet and mm -hmm. exercise and sleep and stress. And so I've noticed it kind of in my clinical practice, you know, seeing patients. But also, I'll be honest with you, you know, when I turned 40, I thought I was healthy. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next year. So I'm, I'm almost a decade into my really kind of, you know, major health kick, if you will. But when I turned 40, I thought, you know, I'm pretty healthy. I'm, you know, I can do what I want. I can surf every day. You know, I can exercise. I can do the things that I want. But, you know, I just felt always a little bit, you know, low on the energy. I always felt, ah, I wish I was, you know, with the energy I had when I was 20. And, you know, I kind of researched it. I read a lot of, you know, work both in books and in research, like what the heck could I do to improve my own metabolism so I would have the energy that I craved, that I desired, that I felt like I could have into my 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond. And so I started changing a few things. One of the things I changed was I started to sleep a little bit longer and a little bit better because, you know, as a physician, most of us are trained to kind of, you know, be of this mindset that you don't really need to sleep. Sleep is for the wimps. You know, you only need to sleep four hours a night. You know, that we were kind of, you know, if you slept more, you were considered, you know, slothful or weak or ineffective. You know, you, sleep was kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it wasn't prioritized in my medical training and it was often looked at as sort of a weak link you know if you mm -hmm. had to sleep more than a couple hours a night you were perceived as being weak or or what have you and that's totally wrong and when I when I started to sleep you know six to seven hours a night I noticed I felt better I had more energy you know and it it was something I'd been ignoring for a couple of decades. And the same went with my diet. Like I've always had a pretty clean diet. I always have incorporated real food, you know, fruits, vegetables, properly raised, you know, fish and meats and things like that. But, but there were some things that I liked, you know, I used to crave ice cream, for example, I would work a long day and I would have a bowl of ice cream almost every night. <laughs> and I just, I thought, well, as long as I exercise, it's gotta be okay. Right? Like as long as you, you know, operate a what they call a caloric deficit and you burn as many calories as you put in, you're going to be healthy. That's what I was taught, but I was totally wrong. It really does matter what you put into your mouth. It doesn't matter how much exercise you do. You can't outrun your fork, so to speak, what lies at the tip of your fork or what you put in your mouth. You have to pay attention to both the quality, you know, the source and the quantity of the food that you ingest on a day to day basis. And so I kind of I noticed this. I made some changes about 10 years ago and over you know, the months and years, I've really become 
as you know energetic and vital and 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 you know just both in my physical abilities as well as in my mental clarity and focus as i was in my 20s and my mm -hmm. kids will tell you that like i can i can outrun them i can outlift them i can you know everything can do that they're 30 plus years younger than i am <laughs> uh, you know that's that's the thing it's a good um the sleep is i have been told and we all know that it is very, very important. But like you're saying, we've all, a lot of us have been told or we've heard or we've learned somehow that it's okay for you to eat all that junk as long as, like you said, a calorie deficit or you're, you exercise or you run, you get yeah. your workout. But then now I'm thinking of it as just like a car that you buy that says premium gas and you put yeah. regular unleaded. It runs, but then pretty soon after a while, it still runs, but it may knock and start cut, 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 cut. We need, like you're kind of seem like alluding to, you, you have to put in the right type of fuel into the body to keep it running for that long game. Is that right? That is, you hit the nail on the head, Chuck. That is so important and it's often neglected, not only in you know, my sort of physician colleagues, but in the general sort of health and wellness space and those that are trainers and things, they just tell you, oh, count your calories as long as you exercise enough. It doesn't matter that much what you eat. You know, a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. And that's completely wrong. I mean, intuitively, even my, you know, even my four-year-old knows that 100 calories of broccoli is not the same as 100 calories of cookies, for example. You know, I mean, we all have a sweet tooth. I, I personally... I love ice cream. I, I rarely eat it anymore, but I mean, intuitively, even a kid knows that, you know, 100 calories of broccoli does not equal 100 calories of Oreo. So why could we assume that as long as we're counting the calories, we put this stuff in our mouth and it, it just kind of poof disappears when we exercise and it has no ill effects on our metabolism, our bodies. That's just, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, I think intuitively we know better. We would like to think that we can outsmart, you know, our, our, our metabolism, so to speak, and consume whatever we want as long as we exercise, but it's completely false. It actually <laughs> really matters what we put into our body. My, my grandmother knew this. She used to tell me, you are what you eat. And she was right. Literally the stuff that makes up our muscle, our proteins, you know, our bodies, even the tiny little cells that are lined with cholesterol and these sort of lipid bilayers in the membrane, those are made up of the different kinds of fats that we eat. If we eat crappy fat, like the vegetable oils and the things that are highly processed that come in, literally everything that comes in a package, not just Oreos, but all those chips that we crave from time to time, all these things have really terrible ingredients. And when we eat them, those terrible ingredients get actually into our cells and we become made of those ingredients. So what I like to tell people is, do you want to be made of an Oreo cookie or a Twinkie or Doritos, or do you want to be made of, you know, the healthiest type of fish or meat or avocado or berries or whatever? Like you said, if you're going to fuel your, you know, high performance, say Ferrari, you're not going to put in crappy gasoline and the cheapest quality oil. You're going to get the premium stuff. And so why shouldn't we treat our bodies exactly like that? You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, it's if you're not treating your body, if you don't think you're a premium, <laughs> we got to fix the we got to fix the brain because you've only got yeah. your one body, your one self. Um, now, you know, talking about all these other doctors, other places that you get information, you have a book, right? Yeah, so I have a book. It's entitled Preventable, Five Powerful Practices to Avoid Disease and Build Unshakable Health. And that's coming out in August uh, this year, 2022. In fact, I just recently reread it after the, all the edits came back. And it, it just made me smile because it's full of so much just fantastic information about exactly this, not only how we prevent these diseases, but how we can live better on a day-to-day -day basis. So it is coming out this summer, August. Uh, super exciting. Uh, preventable is the title. Yeah. And right now in the interim, you do have on your website something that's available uh, for, for folks to purchase and to, to watch on video, correct? Yeah, I have several courses that um, 
are already published and available for people that have a course on stress, a course on sleep, a course on metabolism, a course on intermittent fasting. That's kind of the, the in vogue thing you probably heard about. Mm -hmm. I have several courses available on my website and I've just started actually a community which has been really cool because I have a group of, you know, people who are interested in improving their health and we meet, you know, on Zoom, we have trainings every week, we do posts and, and education. And um, that is called the Thrive Community. That's also mm. available both on my website and on my Instagram. I have a link there if you just click on my Instagram at Aloha Surf Doc. And what I'm offering is if somebody would like to join this community called the Thrive Community, I will give them one of my courses for free. For example, if you want to learn how to optimize stress in your life, you get that course for free if you sign up for my Thrive Community. Or if you'd rather learn about sleep, like we were talking about, like how do I, you know, go through and kind of optimize my sleep because there's so much information out there like you said there's sources that are bombarding us with things like oh you got to buy this particular blue blocker glasses or you got to buy this fancy watch that tracks your sleep and and honestly you can improve your sleep without any of those things there's there's a couple of simple tools and i explain it in my course which are basically free that can make all of the difference yeah fancy gadgets are kind of cool but you don't absolutely need them <laughs> wait what do you mean my oxygen my o2 sensor on my watch and all that don't need it <laughs> you don't need it it's kind of cool it's kind of it's kind of fun to monitor i mean i i don't you know i've tried those things and and it's interesting because you try the different types you know there's there's the apple watch there's these other sleep trackers out there there's there's half a dozen of them and if you've used many many different ones sometimes i've even have friends that'll put one on one wrist and one on the other wrist and they're both supposedly state-of-the-art you know top of the line and they give them a completely different sleep score and they have the same night's sleep it was the same person so Although these devices are cool, they're interesting, they do provide some helpful information, I wouldn't, you know, rush out and buy one, you know, yeah. just just yet. I would focus on a couple other things that are either inexpensive or free, you know, like for example, you want to have the best quality sleep of your life, just remember how we used to sleep out in nature. Number one, we didn't have any extraneous lights, right? Yeah. We didn't go to sleep to the TV, for example. We didn't fall asleep reading on our iPad. So like turn off all of those devices one hour, just one hour. I'm not saying five hours. Some guys will say, oh my gosh, turn it off four or five hours. That's not even practical, you know? But I think most of us could turn them off maybe one hour before we go to bed and use the last hour to do something that for us is very restful. Yeah. For some people, it's taking a bath. For somebody else, it might be journaling, writing. For somebody else, it might be, you know, reading, you know, with a little mm -hmm. bit of a dimmer kind of amber light instead of like staring into a bright, blue screen you know so there's yeah. there's some tools that can easily be done that are super inexpensive or even free rather than going out and purchasing a several hundred dollar fancy watch you yeah. know yeah <laughs> you know i was going to bring up the fact about reading and stuff like that because everybody says well I, I like to read before i go to bed but so many people have now gotten used to i'm not going to name the brands or anything but yeah you're digital readers and it has put out that light and that is yeah. part of the problem that um whatever it is messes up our uh, circadian rhythm circadian rhythm so pick up a book paperback a or book. something like that and just read it that way you know and and or if you don't like like the good doctor saying uh, dim the light or read under a different light situation now and then as far as the rest of the stuff with sleep it's I'm probably going to oversimplify it, but for me personally, I have an issue with sleeping, but it's a it's a habit. And I think so many people have this habit of doing things or staying up late or immediate. They're looking at this. I'm, I'm <laughs> holding up my phone yeah. uh, until the last minute. And yeah. so like you're saying, put it down an hour. If you can't do an hour, One start hour. at 30 minutes before and just get into that habit of doing it. And after whatever they say, you know, 35 days, 13 weeks, whatever it is, that will become your habit. So, like, and that's free. It's just yeah, changing. It's free. You just do. put, yeah, put the thing down. Here's a couple of other quick tidbits that are so helpful. One, you know, we talk about having like, we're right now talking about maybe an electronics curfew, right? Maybe one hour before bed, or like you said, start with 30 minutes, work up to the one hour. Super helpful because 
any kind of you know stimulation, whether it be even from your e-reader, if it's emitting that bright blue wavelength of light, it's telling your brain it's not time to go to sleep yet. And so to think that like we just turn our phone off or we set it down and like automatically we're gonna fall asleep, I mean that's just silly. Like yeah. it's not gonna happen like that, you know? And so the one hour before bed, I think is a pretty reasonable time frame that we can work up to. It's not super challenging. Um, there's another curfew that I'd like to talk about, which is kind of like an eating curfew, because if we're eating right up until the moment that we go to bed, not only will we have a lesser quality of sleep that night, but it may even keep us awake. Um, if we think about you know, one of the easiest ways to think about how to improve some of these habits is just think about what we used to do a few hundred years ago when we didn't have a pantry or a refrigerator or a convenience store or a 24-hour drive-through. What did we used to do back then? Or if you've ever had the opportunity in your life to go camping and you had one of the best night's sleeps of your life because you didn't stare into your, you know, whatever it is, your electronic device, and you were just around natural light. And then maybe you put on a little campfire and it got late and you talk story, whatever. And then, you know, you drifted off and you had the most amazing sleep of your life. Like, think about how we used to do it. And if we can incorporate a couple of those things into our life now, like turning off the devices one hour before, don't eat. I, I use the rule about three hours before bed, try not to eat. And not only will that improve your sleep, but it will improve your metabolism. There's this phenomenal sort of housekeeping effect that happens at night when we're not eating. Usually we're sleeping, right? Usually most of us don't eat while we sleep. That would be maybe a special talent that we've acquired. But but some of us get up and we might want a snack. And I would I would encourage you to avoid, you know, the midnight snack because not only will that mess up your sleep, but it also kind of you know screws up your metabolism. It's actually good for our metabolism to take a break. You know, like I mentioned, there's this whole new craze about intermittent fasting. Well, I would say before you even attempt that, just try to go eight to 10 hours overnight without eating. And all that means is if you sleep eight hours in a night, try not to eat either two or three hours before you go to bed. And when you first roll out of bed in the morning, Try not to eat for maybe another one hour or so. You can drink water. You can drink tea. You can even drink coffee in the morning as long as you're not putting a bunch of creamer and sugar and all those sorts of things. And you can kind of prolong this very beneficial effect called autophagy. Autophagy is like the housekeeping, the sort of cleaning up, getting rid of all the toxins that happens basically every day at night when we're sleeping and when we are not eating. So it's so important because think of, take this example. I got six kids, we were just talking about that. It can get super chaotic and pretty messy in my house. This, what we call the entropy, the entropy of the universe is increasing, which just means that the disorder or the mess, you know, if we leave it to itself, it just gets, you know, just gets more crazy. I mean, if my kids never pick up their toys or their clothes or what have you, and they don't throw throw out the trash, I mean, my house in one day literally looks like a bomb went off. And if we don't do that upkeep in our bodies, kind of clean up once a day through this process called autophagy, which happens while we're sleeping, while we're not eating, we're going to build up a lot of toxins in our body. You know, you've heard of a lot of um, diseases of the brain, like Alzheimer's dementia, Parkinson's, other neurodegenerative diseases that are caused by the buildup of basically toxins that haven't gotten washed away during this autophagy process, which really can't happen unless we press pause on the feeding part. If we don't take a certain number of hours every single day that we're not eating, this cleanup process can't even happen. So that's why I encourage people to not eat right before bed, at least two, even better, even three hours before bed, because not only they'll sleep better, but it'll allow this cellular cleanup or housekeeping process to take place, which can hopefully not only help them to have a better metabolism, you know, for the day to day and have more energy and feel better, but also hopefully prevent a lot of these illnesses from happening in the future. Mm -hmm. And it's been, you know, it's been clinically shown, it's been proven in numerous studies, the research is actually pretty uh, detailed on this, when you do take a break from eating either just overnight fasting, which I just call a circadian fast or intermittent fasting, this can greatly help reduce your chances of getting a lot of these neurodegenerative conditions like dementia. So it's a win-win. You feel better on the day-to-day -day and hopefully you prevent some of this stuff in the long term as well. 
how I just related all that to is the feeding part and making sure that you stop feeding yourself, like you said, three hours prior to. I look at it as a fireplace. You know, you're, you're putting logs in the fireplace. You're stoking the fire because you want to keep going and keep place warm, keep your body warm. Now, if you keep on feeding that fire, more logs, the flame's going to keep going. But you don't want that all the time. So you stop throwing the log in there. That would be food for us. And then the 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 chimney sweeper, the, the chimney cleaner, the fireplace cleaner comes in and does their job to clean while the fire's not going. So like you were saying, give your body that break to to basically rest. Absolutely. And that's when it does all these kind of cleanup processes. It gets rid of toxins. It gets rid of the old and damaged, you know, cells and other things. And, and you rejuvenate and you revitalize yourself during this time that we're both sleeping and not eating. It's so critical. You know, you guys have probably heard of this uh, longevity expert by the name of David Sinclair. He never tires of talking about this process of autophagy, which happens during this kind of overnight fast. I mean, he's kind of extreme. I think the guy only eats maybe one meal a day or something like that. You don't have to be extreme like that. I, I eat two or even three meals a day. But what I really focus on is I don't eat overnight. And I really just put that, I call it a food curfew. And I tell my kids, you know, once we eat dinner, we're done around seven o'clock at night. We don't eat anything till the next morning, at least by 7 a.m. the next morning. So at least that's 12 hours. If mm -hmm. you can just shoot for 12 hours, that's kind of where the magic starts to happen. If you slowly want to increase that and maybe eat your breakfast at eight, that's 13 or nine, that's already 14. Or if you're like me and you eat at 10 or 11 in the morning, you're up to 15, 16 hours. And it's pretty easy. You know, you can work up to that. You can work up to that over the course of days and weeks and months. But the magic really happens when we give our bodies a break. You know, the problem with the modern day sort of the snack food, what I call the snack food crisis, is it's available 24-7, right? Not only do we have the drive-ins and the convenience stores, but we have a refrigerator. And we can open and close that thing whenever we want. You know, especially during the pandemic, most of us are working from home. And that thing is like tempting us. It's always there. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> tempting us. And so what has happened, I think a lot of you guys, you know, have heard of the same, the COVID-10 or the COVID-20, which is those 10 or 20 pounds we put on in the last two years years because we've been snacking all the time so yeah. we got to stop the snacking <laughs> well you know to go along with that it's um with within our age group our age bracket i, I i'm certain that most everybody out there has had those times when they were a kid and they're playing well they ate their breakfast or they had their lunch but then they're out all day they might get hungry but they're still playing and that 10 12 14 hours 15 hours goes by without without eating and they it's not until dinner time so it's so funny and interesting now where we say oh i'm hungry and we immediately <laughs> reach for a snack or like i said you're driving i'm hungry my friends and i used to have this thing called you fly i buy meaning that <laughs> i'm too lazy to go i'm sitting here but if you go to uh to the DQ and get a blizzard, I'll pay for it. It's just a bad habit. And it's so easy and too easy to fall into. Way, way too easy. And I love that, you know, you kind of look back to what the kids are doing. And, you know, I, I have to share this uh, super interesting study that just came out last year, which basically told us that when we say, you know, we're getting older, it's our metabolism that's slowing down. Like that's actually garbage. That's not true. This study was done just last year and released and had thousands of participants. And what it showed is that when we age, it's not our metabolism that's slowing down. It's us. We're slowing down. Exactly what you said, Chuck. We're not running around playing all day. I mean, we'd like to think that we're out and about and doing stuff. And maybe we are getting a little bit of exercise. But if you look at our kids who literally are outside all day long playing, I mean, that's what we used to be doing, you know, and that and that's what changed. It wasn't our metabolism that changed, that slowed down. We slowed down. So what can we do? We can just move our body. You know, one of the simplest things I share with people, if they have to work from home, for example, one of the easiest, most effective, and least expensive things is if they sit down at a desk during the day, all they need is literally 
a cardboard box. You take the cardboard box, you put it on your desk, you put your laptop on top of that cardboard box, and automatically you have a standing desk. And if you're standing, you actually burn more calories. I'm standing right now while we're talking. I can't help myself. I love to stand. And so I, when I work from home, I'm standing. And literally right now, I have a stack of books with my computer on top of it because I don't have a standing desk at my house right now. I have books or cardboard boxes. And I literally put my laptop on top of that. So during the day, if I'm working and I'm staring at the computer, at least I can kind of move around. My blood flows a little better. I actually keep a couple of dumbbells at my feet that I can pick up and move every hour, you know, do a couple of reps and just that little bit of movement. It's not a lot, but it makes a big difference over the course of the day. So that's a little simple hack that people can do that work from home is just get a cardboard box and make yourself a standing desk. <laughs> idea actually so i need to i need to stand <laughs> uh, this might be a little bit off um topic but would you say that the environment plays any role in this uh, and the reason i say and ask that is you know guys like myself or people that live in an environment where it rains a lot or it's just not very nice outside so our excuse is ah i'm not gonna go outside i'm not gonna walk so does the environment play or have a role in some of this and how how can one get around that if it does affect you yeah no i think i think certainly environment can play a role in that i mean if you live in a place like the pacific northwest where you might go a couple of months a year and not even see the sun that's been shown to you know cause a little bit of a dip not only in your mood of course but in your vitamin d right vitamin d is that is that vitamin that is produced from our skin cells when they're exposed to natural light outdoors and as we've learned vitamin d not only helps us do better if we get a illness like COVID or anything else, but it also helps us to just be more resilient overall. It improves our brain function. There's so many cool things that vitamin D does. And if we can't get it, you know, from exposure to the sunlight, because the sun just doesn't come out where we live, then maybe supplementation might be a reasonable option. I can tell you personally, when I'm in Hawaii, I don't worry about my vitamin D because I get outside and the sun is shining. But when I'm in different places around the world that don't have a lot of sunshine, I do take a vitamin D supplement, for example, because I know I'm not getting exposed to that. But here's the thing. Although the environment is very important, there's always some kind of workaround. Like I mentioned, you know, if you're working from home and you, you know, say it's snowing outside, you don't want to go for a walk outside or it's raining outside, you don't want to get wet. Well, just, you know, either every hour that you're working take two minutes and and pick some activity that you can do right in your home even without any weight so you don't even have to have free weights dumbbells barbells you don't even need any of that you can literally do most of us know what it is to do an air squat right you can do a set of 10 squats or you can do a plank uh, planks I just I just found out about these a couple of years ago my wife loves to do them and I, I've always been a guy that likes to go for a walk around the block or for a hike or go surfing I, I never really like to do kind of any sort of gym exercises but you know the last two years I've been indoors more than I've been any time in my life and so I've started to do things like you know squats and and lunges and burpees and you know planks and these kinds of things which none of them require anything other than your own body and you know a, a, a cleared out space on the floor where you can do these exercises or or the classic Chuck and I I'm sure when we were in school as kids we had to do stuff like push-ups and pull-ups like these really simple exercises that don't require any kind of formal gym or weight set or anything else we can just do them with body weight and they can be tremendously helpful for our overall health but also for our mind you know when we can't get outside and see the sun if we just move our body for two minutes every hour whether it be doing some lunges or squats or a plank for a minute or something like that it gets that blood flowing and your brain kind of gets excited. You feel good. It releases the feel-good hormones in your body that get released with exercise. They're actually similar to, they're called the endocannabinoids. So like the cannabis, you know, that, that makes us feel good. These are natural cannabis that get released when we just do a little exercise of any kind, even at home. <laughs> Go, people talk about a natural high. There it yeah, is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's certainly a natural high. <laughs> it's the same thing like uh, what you're talking about is, you know, think about that long drive that you're making and you get tired and then you just 
pull into a rest stop, and I'm not kidding, and I know everybody's experiences. They open the door of the car, they step out, and two minutes later, they're like, I feel great, I'm ready to go again. Get out, like I said, two minutes, get that the blood flowing through the body, and you know, every couple of hours or whatever it takes. Modern Medicine movement.com is the website and this is for Dr. Thomas Hemingway and that's who we are talking to right now and we're having a conversation about you know the changes that you need to make to help your body the changes that you need to make to uh, feel better the changes that you need to make in order to live a what I will say a better healthier and possibly a more productive life. So some of the simple things that uh, Dr. Hemingway is talking about is if you are working from home and you're stuck at a desk, like I am oftentimes, you know, it's just, just a simple matter of maybe getting up and doing a, some squats, do 10 squats. That's not going to take you that long. Or do a couple of some burpees or plank push-ups. Now, for for men and women who are a little bit older, if you're saying, well, you know what, it's difficult for me to do any type of a uh, push-up. Well, you could do the cheater push-up, you know, on your knees and then your hands and just do a push-up that way. Um, now, forgive me for saying this, some will say the girly push-up. So if that's what you call it, do it that way. I just call it the cheater push-up. So you can do that. Planks, planks are more difficult than one would think. So if you don't know what planks are, just go online and Google plank. But boy, if you did a plank for, gosh, if you first try it and you could do it for 30 seconds, you're doing pretty darn good. And planks are awesome for your core. Again, uh, your book is going to be released in August of 2022. And are you planning on having that available through your website, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every place? Yeah, it should be available every place. I mean, the initial um, place that'll be easy for most people is Amazon. It'll be um, available there probably first. I've already got a deal worked out with them. They just, they tend to be um, easy to work with that way. Um, and it's, most people have Amazon. So that'll be an outlet where you can pick up my book. It'll also be available on the website. And I hope all of the major booksellers out there, like you say, Barnes and Noble, that sort of thing. But for sure, it'll be available from the gates at Amazon. I think that's just an easy venue for people to, to grab it. And of course, it'll be available. I actually have purchased the domain for the website um, called The preventablebook.com so it'll be available there thepreventablebook.com that website is not up and running yet but I'll, I'll launch it even before the book comes out so you can do a, a pre-order there'll be some links there on thepreventablebook.com um, but yeah it should be pretty easy to grab uh, through Amazon and the major outlets fantastic fantastic um, I want to be mindful of your time, but I, I also want to just touch on a couple of other things because uh, the bulk of what Go we've been it. talking about have been really the importance of sleep. Um, and some of these other diseases, uh, you know, heart, heart attack, strokes, diabetes and things like that, uh, stress. Stress is what I always call a silent killer. And so mm -hmm. many people, especially now over the past couple of years, have become stressed out. It, what can one do supplement-wise or mentally or physically to help adjust that? Do you have any, any suggestions? Yeah, no, that, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because in the last couple of years, our stress levels have literally gone through the roof. In fact, kind of the professional organization that monitors this called the American Psychological Association or the APA, they've actually declared stress a national emergency this it's a crisis it's at literally crisis levels before the data showed that you know every person has over the course of one year maybe one stressful event you know about 80 percent would have some significant stress over the course of a year now that number is basically a hundred percent from all of the different stresses we've experienced with the pandemic, with the economy, you know, all the changes that have kind of happened from zero to 60, so to speak, that that literally, you know, the war going on, all these things have just gotten us like really kind of on edge. And there are actually a couple of really simple things that one can do. So I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you. There was a study done in 2012, which looked at um, stress and whether or not it would negatively 
impact us on an individual level? Because most of us, I think, you know, kind of know that stress can be bad. It can be harmful. I think most of us understand that. So this study looked at 180,000 people. So it was a huge study. So the data actually is very applicable, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But what they found, they took these 180,000 people, they asked them to rate their stress as either mild, moderate, or high level. So they got three choices, is either a little bit of stress, a moderate level of stress, or a high level. And then they asked them a couple other questions. They said, okay, you know, now that you have this level of stress, say you were one of the guys that their stress was rated in the high level. Then the follow-up question was, do you believe that stress is bad for you? Yes or no? And what was really interesting is that when they looked at the people who had the highest level of stress, only the group of people within that high level of stress that actually believed that stress was bad for them had negative health consequences. For the other percentage of that same group who reported a very high level of stress in their life, if they did not believe that that stress was bad for them and they felt like, hey, you know, this is a challenge. Like, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to, you know, be able to to do something differently in my life. Say, you know, with the pandemic, maybe we had to close the doors of our business. That's really stressful. But at the same time, other opportunities opened up where maybe we could do either the same or a different business online because a lot of people are at home. They're using their phones, their computers, their tablets to do a lot of stuff online. Hey, maybe I could make a little bit of a pivot and shift and I'll use this opportunity to try to convert my business into an online business. So for example, the people who had the high level of stress and did not believe that stress was bad for them, they did not suffer negative health consequences. In fact, those people actually lived longer than the control group because they had a positive belief that it was just something as a challenge that they could use as momentum to grow from. So it was all how they decided to interpret or give meaning to that stress. It wasn't having it or not having it. It was the meaning that they decided to give that stress. The other thing that's really helpful with stress, besides just sort of the mental aspect, whether we decide it's good or bad for us, is having community. And of course, during COVID and, and this pandemic, it's been a little bit harder to have community because for a while we couldn't even leave the house, you know? But if we can get connected, you know, the connection that we can have with people that are either our family or our friends or people that share similar interests, you know, people that we care about, if we can connect with them, there's this kind of the magic happens through this hormone called oxytocin. You know, many of us might have heard of oxytocin when it relates to a mother and her newborn baby. You know, when when the mother connects with her baby, either through cuddling or feeding it, you know, breastfeeding or whatever, this level goes way up. And this hormone level, interestingly enough, also goes up with us when we're connecting with other people, whether it be even, even on Zoom or on a chat or a FaceTime call or whatever, that kind of connection actually still spikes this level of oxytocin. Another thing that spikes it is just connecting or cuddling with our favorite pet, you know, our feline or, you know, our, our dog or cat, for example, if we're cuddling or, or, you know, being able to hang out with our favorite pet, that actually spikes our oxytocin, which is a protective hormone, which basically negates a lot of that negative consequence of stress. It actually kind of cancels out this bad stress and, and gives us sort of a positive you know, spin on that. And it relaxes us. It helps instead of, you know, stress typically elevates blood pressure, oxytocin lowers blood pressure. And two of the quickest ways to get that level up, one is just connecting with either people or with our pets, animals, or to do exercise, to do movement. When we do exercise, that lowers our stress. So those are two really simple things that we can do besides just kind of the mental approach and the mindset of how we decide to view our stress that can really help people. There's a lot of other things that can be done. Breathing exercises, you know, lots of, lots of other cool things. And I, and I have, like I mentioned to you, Chuck, I have this course that talks all about stress, but those are kind of real high ticket items that I shared that can be really easy. They're all free and they can make a big difference. So the mindset, the connection, and exercise those are three powerful things right there they're all free yeah just uh simply reach out and like i said uh next best thing is 
Zoom or some sort of FaceTime. You know, reach mm-hmm. out. It won't. <laughs> doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to go anywhere. And then for those, like you said, which is very, very interesting to me, the ones who had the highest level of stress, but those in that category who understood that they had stress, used that to their advantage. And, and, and rather than being what I would say stressed out, they used that stress and said, they made a pivot. What can I do? Because this, this is possibly opening up new avenues for me. And they took it and went that way. And they weren't as stressed. Well, they were still stressed, but the, the, the... It wasn't negative. They didn't suffer the negative consequences. Yeah. No, it's super cool. And, and you know, if I hadn't seen this study of 180 some odd thousand people, you know, I, it kind of intuitively makes sense, but it, it sounds a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, hard to grasp because, you know, whenever you speak of things like mindset, you know, all the kind of Tony Robbins stuff, it seems kind of like immaterial, right? It just seems like harder to kind of grasp. But when you have a study this big of this caliber that basically showed that the way that you view it, the way that you give meaning to it, the way that your brain says, hey, this stress is either going to knock you down or it's going to give you the opportunity to build yourself up. And I, I like to tell people, you know, be a tennis ball not an egg. And what does that mean? If you drop a tennis ball, what happens? It bounces right back up. You know, if you're an egg, what happens when you drop on the ground? You just, you splat, you know, don't be an egg, be a tennis ball and just bounce back. Be resilient. (laughs) Questions. Um, Two more official type of questions. And I'm going to let you dictate how long this is because it's your time. (laughs) One is, uh, amino acids in general and then the other is chromium oh wow those are fantastic i I love both of those things so here's the deal um amino acids are kind of fancy um breakdown products of protein okay We, we all need protein in our life because protein is the building block of muscle not only is it the building block of muscle but it's the building block of almost every important machinery in our whole body is made of protein. And in order to build up that machinery that we need, whether it be to have a better metabolism or to function better, we got to have protein in our diet. So there are several ways to get the protein. You mentioned one of the many ways. You mentioned amino acids. So I think that they are great, um, but you don't have to spend the money to buy amino acids. You can simply eat food that has a high protein content. And this this is possible if you're vegan, vegetarian, you're an omnivore like me. I eat everything. I tell people I eat the whole rainbow. All of the things that are natural, all of the things that are good, I eat all of them. What I try to limit is the things that come with the three Bs, things that come in a box, in a bag, or with a barcode. Because what that means is they come processed in a package, usually they're going to come with some not so good things, either highly processed sugars, flours, grains, bad oils, like I was talking about, you know, the corn oils, the vegetable oils, the sunflower oil, safflower, canola, all of these things which can be plant-based, but they're highly processed. The best way to get your food, whether it be protein or anything else, is the least processed. One of the best sources on the planet for protein is animal protein. I mean, think about it. We are animals. Our bodies recognize animal protein. They just recognize it. It's what we are made up of. That being said, even if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you can still get high-quality protein. But I would look for the stuff that comes naturally. You know, don't buy a bag of, you know, pea protein or soy protein. Why not just eat the bean? Why not just eat the soy? You know, whether it be in edamame in the soybean form or tempeh or miso or, you know, all of these natural forms of soy, why not eat the real food? Like, sometimes we feel obligated to, like, go to the health food store and buy a bag of whatever, you fill in the blank, you know, but why not try to get it from real food first? So I always use the real food uh, mantra, start there, food first, and then some of us will need to supplement. And I'm so glad you brought up protein or amino acids, because as we age, you and I, you know, we, we lose muscle every year unless unless we do something about it. So the natural course is for us to have what's called sarcopenia, which is over time, slow, gradual muscle loss. 
But we can change that if we do two things. One, we got to eat either foods that have protein or we got to buy a high quality protein, whether it be an isolate of whey or amino acids or whatever we choose. And if we want to build muscle, we got to have the amino acid called leucine. So make sure if you do buy amino acids that it does have leucine because that's one of the most important amino acids to have when you're building your muscle. And as you age, if you don't work out in some way, whether it be something simple like we talked about, doing push-ups, doing the cheater push-up like Chuck said, or doing a plank or doing just a walk around the block, like whatever it is, we need protein in our diet to build muscle because muscle is the most important macronutrient with respect to our metabolism. The more muscle we have, the better our metabolism works because you can burn calories even while you're sitting doing nothing if you have muscle mass. If you lose your muscle mass, that's one of the quickest ways to get fat because you don't have that machinery to burn calories when you're resting. Muscles burn calories even at rest just to maintain themselves. It's it's this very interesting concept. They're highly metabolic. So the short answer is yes, amino acids can be great. I don't think that you have to go out and spend the money on them. You can either get protein from your diet, you know, or you can get a cheaper form like uh, whey uh, protein concentrate, which is from milk, which actually has the milk proteins taken off of it. So if you buy whey that comes in a concentrate, or especially if you buy it in an isolate, it's considered in a uh, complete protein. It has all the essential amino acids, including leucine, but it doesn't have the milk products that a lot of people have sensitivity to, the casein and the milk proteins. Those are taken, um, the, the actual milk, you know, what makes it milk, those are taken off and it's just left with the protein component. But you can just, you know, if you, uh, with your dietary uh, um, lifestyle, if you allow yourself to eat different kinds of meats like uh, free-range chicken or fish is a great source of protein. I personally love fish being from Hawaii. I love fresh fish, either in the form of poke, which is, I don't know if you guys know what poke is, but it's freshly cut, you know, tuna or ahi that's seasoned and you just eat it raw. Like it's fantastic or sushi or even just, uh, you know, grilled or whatever. I like fish in almost any way it can be prepared and that has good high quality protein. It also has omega-3 fatty acids, which are super helpful. So, so protein is great. Amino, amino acids are great. Um, let's move on to chromium. <laughs> chromium is, is one of those, uh, it's a micronutrient. Um, it's actually an element. You can find it on the periodic table. But what's interesting about chromium is that most people don't know anything about it. Even most doctors don't know a lot about it. But it is really important for blood sugar balance. And especially people like you were mentioning, Chuck, about diabetes, for example, chromium can be really, really helpful for maintenance of blood sugar. And the, the kind of clincher about chromium is that um, you have to get the right amount. You don't want to get too much. You don't want to get not enough. So it's a little bit of the Goldilocks uh, phenomena, right? <laughs> you want to have enough, but but not too much. Um, because especially if you might have some kidney issues, too much chromium is not a great thing. Um, but in and of itself, it's actually really helpful for blood sugar maintenance. Myself, I'm not diabetic. I take chromium every single day. Why? Because it helps maintain a nice, even blood sugar. So many of us may have experience at one point in our life where we eat something, then a couple hours later, we're like, we don't have any energy. You know, we have a dip in our blood sugar, which is called hypoglycemia. We have a dip in that. And what happens when we have a dip? We feel tired. We feel, oh, I just don't have that energy. So then what do we reach for? We reach for some kind of snack food, which oftentimes is not a healthy snack food. It's just whatever we have available. But then it spikes our blood sugar and we get energy for a couple of maybe minutes or hours. And then it dips again. And we have this kind of roller coaster throughout the day of our blood sugar. It goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. So we have energy. Then we don't have energy. And then we have energy and we don't have energy. But what chromium does is it helps maintain a nice even level of energy all throughout the day. It's, it's actually really beneficial. And if you guys want to know what I take with respect to chromium, feel free to reach out to me either on my Instagram at Aloha Surf Doc or at Modern Medicine Movement. That's my health podcast, Modern Medicine Movement. I also have an email, Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail. I know it's kind of a mouthful, but you can find all of that on my Instagram at Aloha Surf Doc 
or at Modern Medicine Movement. And I'd be happy to share with you specifically what I take for chromium, how I take it. It's a little bit too much to just share right now because it's it involves timing and, 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 and things like that. But I would love to share it with you if you're interested because it's made a big difference in my life. And I don't have those energy slumps anymore. I have a nice balanced you know, energy level all day long. I'm super energetic. Like I was mentioning, I can keep up with my teenage boys. I have three, three teenage boys and I can keep up with all of them. <laughs> and chromium is one of my secret weapons. So thanks so much for asking about it. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I suggest everybody to reach out and hopefully you don't get a, a flood of um, questions from people, but, you know, really reach out to an expert and such as yourself, uh, somebody in the know in in this in this field. And it's very helpful. Um, it, it'll help you rather than sifting through the information yourself and doing a hit and miss. If you reach out to somebody who knows that would probably be the most beneficial thing to do. And as Dr. Thomas Hemingway here says, you know, he's got his website that's available. You could go there. You could get some of the courses that he has available. And the book is coming out in August. But, you know, go to the website. Check it out. Do some of your own research and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's really important uh, as far as dietary needs for so much in one's life. Um, so I, I said those were the two questions and those who are going to be uh, at your discretion is how much time you wanted to take. And like I said, there's so much more to it that you could go into, especially with all the different types of amino acids and everything else and protein and, you know, plant-based proteins, animal protein that works. But I have three last questions for you. Go for it. All Rapid right. Fire. Hit, hit, hit me. Question <laughs> number one, what is your favorite movie? Oh man, I, I, I have too many, but I'm, you know, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, and so I've always been a Star Wars fan. So <laughs> I got to be honest, like, I'm just a Star Wars junkie. I love just the whole, you know, may the force be with you and all the all the Yoda comments. You know, there is, you know, do or do not. There is no try. You know, I, I just, I'm just a fan <laughs> of all things Star Wars. <laughs> All right. So the next thing is, um, what is your dream or favorite travel destination or vacation spot you know, that you've been to or that you want to go to? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a tough one. I mean, I'm, uh, as you know, a surfer, I love just being in the water. Um, one place that I haven't been yet that is on my bucket list is, uh, Tavarua Island in Fiji because there's, uh, phenomenal wave out there called cloud break and it's what's called a left so it breaks uh leftward when you're out in the water when you're staring at it from the beach it looks like it's going to the right but we call it in surfing we call it a left and the thing that's so cool about that is i am the the lesser common um type of surfer i'm what they call a goofy footer so when i ride on my surfboard, my snowboard, my skateboard, I put my right foot in front. Most people put their left foot in front. That's called a natural footer or a regular footer, depending on what part of the world you're from. But I put my right foot in front, which is only about 10, maybe 15% of all board riders. So I'm kind of unique in that way. And that particular wave is on my front side. So when I drop in, I'm going to be looking up at this giant wave and it's going to be on my forehand or my front side. So that's a place I want to go, Tavarua Island, Fiji. <laughs> uh, I, I got a half pipe. I got a half pipe at my house currently in Hawaii, and my kids and I, we skate on our half pipe every single day, as long as it's not raining, because rain makes it difficult. <laughs> All right, so the third question is your dream car. All right, this may, this may sound cheesy, but ever since I was really young, for whatever reason, I don't even know why, I've always loved the Porsche 911 Carrera. So not like the new ones, like the old school, the old school ones, you know? <laughs> yeah, the big tail, the big fin, you know, that, uh, the big spoiler, whatever. But the classic two-seater 911 Carrera in fire engine red. I know it sounds cheesy, but 
I'm going to, I'm going to get one of those. I don't know if it'll be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, but I'm going to get one. It's going to be a classic and I'm going to always have the top down. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, gosh, I really appreciate your time today and answering all the questions. Uh, it was really informative uh, for me. So I'm sure it's going to be really informative for everybody that's listening and watching and things like that. And, you know, it's get out there and move get the body moving and get your sleep so yeah so important thanks so much for having me chuck anybody wants to reach out please follow me on instagram at aloha you know like hawaii a-l-o-h-a aloha surf because you're gonna remember me i'm a surfer we talked about surfing so aloha surf and then doc d-o-c so aloha surf doc please follow me there or my podcast instagram is at modern medicine movement follow me there i do lots of uh, i've got 80 plus episodes on my podcast all super interesting fun health information obviously it's free over there it's really great lots of data like chuck said i mean sometimes it's hard we have all these questions we want to just do the dr google thing but it's hard to kind of sort it out that's what i've been doing the last three decades of my life is just pouring through the literature, trying to find out what works, what doesn't, you know, what supplements are good, what supplements are better, which ones are ideal, which ones, you know, are worth the money, so to speak, you know, and so connect with me at Aloha Surf Doc or at Modern Medicine Movement. Join my new community, the Thrive Community. You'll see a link over there and I'll give you a free course on either stress or sleep. You get to pick and I'd love to see you. So thanks so much, Chuck.